you have to get your body used to doing, you know, a swim and then a bike or a bike and then a run. It is a balance of if you're going to do a really long bike, then maybe you'll just do a 10, 15 run off the bike, right? Just to kind of get used to that transition. With the training clubs, it was always two disciplines for the day and it would be a three hour commitment on a Sunday and you're an hour in the pool and then you're either going and doing a run outside or where where I live there's a university track indoors so we would set up our bikes and then do track and then some strength and yoga. I never identified myself as an athlete. Welcome to the XO Conversations Podcast. This is the podcast for people who want to get the most out of life, who want to live with peace and connection, people who want to make intentional choices that align with their values. If this is you, don't forget to grab my free list of five important questions to ask yourself before making life decisions. You can get it at livingxo.com slash questions. Have you ever been labeled either by someone else or yourself even? Have you ever felt like it held you back? Like it almost boxed you in to an identity that you couldn't break out of? We hear these kinds of harsh labels all the time. Ugly, stupid, weak, loser, selfish. Even words that might sound neutral can be limiting. So for example, the word expert can be a way of recognizing skill and knowledge, but it might also create pressure to always have the right answers. Or the word introvert can be validating to understand why we might need quiet time, but it might also not be representative of how we feel all the time. For me, I love my alone time, but I also love to be around people. I personally find that I enjoy smaller groups or one-on-one interactions more than larger groups. And for a long time, I didn't understand that about myself because I had a particular idea of what being introverted meant. Labels can be valuable when they make you feel seen and understood. And they can also make you feel limited or stereotyped in a one-dimensional way when they don't quite fit anymore. I remember once someone called me organized and I almost flinched because although I guess I am organized compared to some, I also felt overwhelmed and responsible for so many things and so many people at that time that I wanted to be more carefree and I guess less organized. What about when you're ready to step into a new label, when you're looking for motivation or to take a shift in your identity? I think there's a real power in positive labeling, not just faking it till you make it, but really embracing a term that can empower us to make lasting, meaningful changes in our lives. This is Natalie. I'm Natalie McDonald. I am a chiropractor and business owner. I'm also a mom of two. I would describe myself as a foodie and travel obsessed, and I'm also 
uh, amateur triathlete. That is a label that I, I still struggle attaching to myself. I've actually known Natalie for many years, and for as long as I've known her, she's been very active. She was biking and swimming and doing triathlons before we met, and I've always found it so inspirational. One day we were talking, and I was telling her how amazing I think it is that she is this fantastic athlete, and she has this active routine her whole life. And she said, I'm not an athlete. And I just stopped and said, what are you talking about? I was a small child. I was the shortest kid in the class for the longest time. And I was also an academic. So my identity growing up was smart, not good at sports, short, plays the piano. And I always joke with people because I grew up in Northern Ontario that you only run if your skidoo breaks down or if a wolf is chasing you. (laughs) And I was being facetious, but to be perfectly honest, there's not a lot of people to model after when I was growing up in terms of exercise and active living, you know, aside from, from fishing and cross country skiing. And so I did grow up skiing, but I never identified myself as, as an athlete. I went to undergrad and all my roommates were in cross country and everyone was going out for runs. And I was going, why are you doing that to yourselves? Why are you punishing yourself with all of this, right? Natalie told me that she had a really hard time with her health when she was in school. And slowly she started becoming more active. I've always, you know, struggled with with my body image and my weight. And when the classes were so demanding and we had, you know, 40 hours of class, plus studying. I had gained a lot of weight. I was the unhealthiest I ever was eating dorm food, not really having a balance in terms of healthy living. And so I started working out. Uh, I started going to the gym. I started trying to run, which I've always loathed any attempts at running. And even now I, I would not say I am a strong runner, but I would say I run. Exercise started becoming a way for her to manage stress. She also met her husband around that time, and he was also very active and health-motivated. We've always encouraged each other and supported each other, even, you know, becoming young parents. Um, as you know, sometimes time is it's a commodity. So, you know, go out, go, go have your run, go do your workout, go to the gym, go take your yoga class. Um, so it, it was really great to have that support. So while Natalie never thought of herself as an athlete, she started becoming more active and maybe athletic. As her kids got older and she had more time and energy, her and her husband started getting into duathlons. Got to see like the camaraderie and they would come back from these races just completely inspired and completely pumped. Uh, And so I was like, hmm, I'm about to turn 40. So I joked that it was a little bit of a midlife crisis. Um, But going back to labels of me not being a runner, the reason I got into triathlons, no joke, is that I thought, hmm, a duathlon, you have to run, bike, and run again. I don't like to run. So I'm going to just swim. Oh my gosh, is that why you started? That is 100% why. The swimming is the most intimidating part for me. (laughs) But I was like, I have, you know, I grew up uh, going to my family cottage and, you know, I I took swimming lessons. I would say I was a good swimmer, but definitely not a lane swimmer. I never swam competitively. You know, when I started, I could barely swim a couple of lengths of my pool. 
but that's how much I loathed running. That is 100% how I got into triathlons and not duathlons because I wanted to avoid the extra run. It's funny how set we are in our minds, how we decide something at some point in our lives and we stick with it. So often we make changes and we hate it, but we do it anyway because we know it's good for us or it's a means to an end. This is what I found so powerful and magical. It's a mindset shift, a brain retraining, so to speak, that can take the old version of you or an old belief or an old perspective and shift it into a new version of yourself, a new belief, a new perspective. And all of a sudden, everything changes. You no longer need as much willpower to drag yourself through it. It doesn't feel like such an uphill battle. All of a sudden, it's just part of your life. You can choose your label, reframe your identity, and shift your whole life because of it. Let's talk about the science behind this. There's this idea called labeling theory. It's about how the labels we identify with can set the stage for our future actions. Let's say you're in a classroom or a meeting and you're called a natural leader. You might just find yourself stepping up more often and your brain has an amazing ability to rewire itself. So when we adopt a new label, we're potentially reshaping our brain's circuitry to match. Adopting positive, empowering labels can lead to genuine changes in our thought patterns and self-esteem. This also happens with negative labels, by the way, which is why it is so important to reflect and have self-awareness and examine what you think about with your life and even with yourself. You've probably heard how thoughts can become self-fulfilling prophecies. So picture this, you label yourself as maybe I'm not a public speaker. And then the next thing you know, you're jittery when you get up in front of a podium. And then that reinforces the feeling. And you start thinking, of course, I was right. I'm not a public speaker. What if we flipped the script? What if changing the labels we give ourselves could reroute our entire journey? In this conversation, we're talking about physical activity, but labels can also refer to other personality characteristics or even something small like your thoughts on food. I used to cringe when I would have a green smoothie. <laughs> I wanted it to be delicious, but I would drink the smoothies because I wanted to get in more vegetables and I wanted to be healthier. And whenever someone asked me how it tasted, I would make a face and I would say, oh, it tastes healthy. But then I started to realize that I actually felt good after drinking it. I felt more energy. It was good for my digestion and my skin. And I didn't get all of the buzzing or crashes that I would get after having, let's say, a latte or a chai. I really love chai. So this was a big shift for me. But now when we make smoothies in our house, I don't want them to be delicious. I want them to be healthy. It's such a small word shift, but it matters. 
I didn't realize how stressful some of the training for my races were. Like, oh, I have to, oh, I have an hour and a half, you know, bike ride now today. I have to. Now it's, I get to, I want to. What gave you that shift? I think just because I realized how much of a benefit to mood and to feeling balanced it gave me. So instead of it being, I have to do it, um, it's almost a punishment that I have to suffer through. It's, I get to do it. I look forward to doing it. I feel so much more grounded and I have a sense of accomplishment. I had a similar shift. I was never a good swimmer. In fact, I was scared of swimming. I knew how to float, but I always had a hard time getting the breathing right and I'd always get water up my nose. Plus, I had some bad experiences when getting caught underwater and feeling like I was drowning when I was a kid. So I always identified as a non-swimmer. So much so that I was adamant that my kids would learn how to swim because I felt like it was a life skill. And so I forced them to learn, even though they cried at first. Thankfully, they enjoyed it. And my younger one actually started swimming competitively. And I finally realized they are such good swimmers and my husband can swim. So I was the only one who couldn't. We would go on family vacations and I couldn't join them. So finally, when I turned 40, I took swimming lessons with the little kitties in the pool. <laughs> I was the only adult who showed up for the adult classes. It was a little embarrassing to be honest, but I thought of my kids. I decided to be brave. I took lessons and it took a few years. I still didn't think of myself as a swimmer. I was still nervous about it, but I started swimming laps regularly. And one day I was talking to someone who had a pool. They were inviting us over and they said, your family are all swimmers, right? And I paused and I said, yeah, we are. We're all swimmers. To be perfectly fair, the shift has been a 20 year shift. It's not something that happened, you know, up until even last year, I would suffer through runs and I would just be like, for me, it was like an exercise in mental toughness. It was like, I have a half hour. And so it started out with being efficient, right? You know, running, you get the biggest bang for your buck in terms of heart rate and calorie burn and all of that stuff. It's a whole body exercise. That's how I, you know, kind of started running, but I never truly enjoyed it until about a year or two ago. And I still have days where I'm like, I do not like this. But what I do now is if I'm not loving it, I, I give myself five minutes. I'll say, okay, I will run five more minutes. And if I'm still feeling like I want to pull the plug, I'll just walk. I've started giving myself a little bit of grace to just be like, I'm still out. I'm still active. I'm still doing something. And, you know, walking meditations, being more mindful instead of focusing on the, I am really not loving what I'm doing right now. That's been a big shift because now I actually look forward to it. I look at it as like my time. I look at it as my opportunity to do something good for myself. And um, I've found some really good, um, some really good apps and some really good programs that get me pumped. Like music is huge. If I have a good playlist, I can get through pretty much anything. It's 
funny because after getting inspired by Natalie, I also tried doing a triathlon. And for me, it felt like a huge leap. While I was training, because I hadn't yet believed in myself and I didn't label my identity as someone who would do something like that, I had to only talk about it with people who were encouraging or who were also active and athletic. I needed inspiration. And anytime someone would say something like, oh my gosh, I would never do that. Why would someone want to do that? You're crazy, which is totally what I used to think at first. I had to change the conversation or not talk about it with them. It was like I was trying to train myself and my mind to take on this new version of myself, and I couldn't get distracted by any other opinions. It's almost like when you're stepping into something new, you don't feel like you're good at it. You need to get over the confidence hump. You have to grasp for a helping hand, whether it's encouragement or motivation or small wins, whatever works for your personality. If you haven't listened yet, I did an episode in season one on how to really create a habit. And I talked more about how to make habits long-term instead of short-term. So you can listen to that episode after this. I don't know. I think it all comes down to like, I still consider myself the like academic, nerdy, runty, not physically fit kid, right? Like I think it at the core of it, it's, it's the insecurities that you carry with yourself. And so it's, it's a constant struggle, but it's a conscious struggle, right? Like I think if we're aware of no, wait a minute, you know, it's not, it's not a logical thing to, to see that you do something and yet still not call yourself that. Right. Um, and I think for you and and, and I, I think a big motivator is, you know, to be a good role model for our kids, to, to see, to have them see us do something that scares us, that we don't necessarily feel like we're accomplished at, and do it anyway. And at the end of it, how great it is, is it that you end up loving it? Part of it certainly is about how we identify ourselves and the insecurities we carry and try to change. We also talked about how sometimes it's about whether we feel like we're good at it. There's a confidence or maybe even an expectation. Well, I think because both of us are, you know, health professionals and because we've, we've become accomplished at business and, and um, in our own professions, I think there's a bit of a fear of like, unless I'm really good at it, unless I, I have like a good command of it, then that's not me, Right. But I think you and I had that conversation before you did your first try try um, about my first experience with my first triathlon and the inclusiveness that the community gives. I found, I think that's why I have stuck with it and why I enjoy every race, even though it constantly scares me. Every race I go to, I'm very nervous. I'm very scared. But the one constant is the announcer will say, okay, who's first time? And, you know, everyone's raising their hands very timidly and all the veterans are clapping. Um, and then they always say, just remember, the minute that gun goes off, you are now a triathlete. Triathlete, triathlete, triathlete. It gives me shivers all the time. And now, even though I'm I'm not by any standards an accomplished triathlete. I always look to find someone, I guess, because I now have gear and I look like I know what I'm doing. I don't know. But someone is always looking like, 
completely terrified. And I always kind of seek out a couple to be like, it's going to be fine. Yeah, I totally disagree. You're an accomplished triathlete. You've done many (laughs) in your day. And I, I think that you are a triathlete. You're a triathlete, period, in my mind. So I want you one day to own that. She is right about having a community or having support. Every time I have to do something new or out of my comfort zone, it always helps to have people cheering me on and supporting me. I remember when I did my try a try. Okay, I'm a really slow runner, (laughs) very slow. But I remember being at the end of this race, running, trying to get to the finish line, and everyone's there cheering and yelling, good pace, good pace. And I'm thinking, uh, people are walking faster than I am running. But I so appreciated it anyway. Whenever we're stepping into a new label or new identity, one that we want to embrace, we need to have support. I did another episode earlier, I think it was season two, called Is It Time to Curate Your Friendships? And I talk a bit more about how the people in our life impact us. So go ahead and listen to that one after this. Hmm. Ha. Um, it depends on the day, I think. If, uh, if I had to commit, I would say I was athletic. I still don't feel like I could own the athlete. And I, I think that's just my hang up with like, I don't belong to a team or I haven't accomplished anything, even though I have, you know, a bunch of medals saying I finished a bunch of races. It's a mental shift. And it doesn't have to just be about exercise. So one example is a label for me is that I feel like I'm too serious. So back when I started on social media, I feel like I didn't know how to show up or how to be silly or didn't feel comfortable to me. Even when I'm doing this podcast, I feel like I'm so much better at joking around when I'm having a conversation with someone and maybe less so when I'm narrating the podcast. But I'm trying to add in a bit of that part of me here and there. I also realized that being in healthcare for 20 years, I didn't joke around much or share personal details because I was used to being professional and talking about really heavy emotional things with my patients. I told Natalie, who knows that fun side of me, (laughs) that fun Rishma only comes out in certain circumstances. And for a long time, I didn't know how to amalgamate those parts of my personality. And to be fair, I'm still learning that. So that label of being serious, although it was good in some ways, it also doesn't feel like a good fit for me anymore. And I'm trying to embrace a different label for myself. Turns out Natalie doesn't think I'm too serious, and she's definitely seen fun Rishma and many other Rishmas for that matter. It's interesting. I had a little revelation a little while ago, um, and I think you probably have been, you know, told similar situation where, you know, I don't think I'm funny or I don't think I'm this. And so why don't we take how our friends and the people who know us see us at face value? Why do we hold on to our insecure labels that we've put on ourselves when in fact no one else sees you as that, right? The inner monologue is so strong. The labels we've given ourselves I think we need to start listening to, you know, the people we surround ourselves with um, because that's what we put out, right? And, And I think we both live authentically. I asked Natalie what made her take the leap. If she doesn't think of herself as an athlete, what made her want to do triathlons? I will admit I'm also an adrenaline junkie. So anything that like, you know, 
gets me that little rush of, oh gosh, what have I gotten myself into? Should I do this? Should I jump out of a plane? Should I, you know? Yes. Um, yes. Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. If it scares the crap out of me, I'm going to do it. Yeah. So that's part of it. But yeah, I think it, it is interesting and I'm, I'm starting I'm starting to, you know, use the word like I'm athletic. I, I am a triathlete. You know, I still kind of cringe a little internally when I say that because I feel like I'm posing. But, but then to get the response, we're like, what? You're not a, like, what are you talking about? Right. I think, I think we need to give ourselves a little more credit. And maybe that's some of it too, is that, you know, we don't want to seem boastful or cocky. We're very self-deprecating, you know, don't focus on me. Um, it's all about you, you know? So I think that's some of it too, is like, you don't want to toot your own horn. And so if you don't have that label, I think that's part of it for me is that I feel like if I say that, then I'm boasting or I'm, you know, giving myself more credit than, than I'm due. I resonate with this too. Even with my titles, I never tell people to call me doctor, even though of course I earned it. It just feels pretentious. I do think that I would say I was athletic and I'm healthy and balanced. It's always an evolution for sure, right? But I think that's okay because I think we need to keep growing because if if we don't, then that's not fun either, right? Like, oh, I think for sure. As we wrap up this conversation, ask yourself, what labels do I identify with? What labels do I want to grow into? What about how others think of you, specifically people you love and who want the best for you? Is there a difference between how they see you and how you see yourself? Sometimes the positive ways other people see us can be like a mirror showing us the side of us that we've overlooked. How does it feel to step into that new label? Changing how we see ourselves isn't about flipping a switch. It's an evolving journey. I'd love to hear from you and any aha moments that you've had. Please feel free to reach out at livingxo.com. In fact, I often make time to have a social virtual chat with my listeners because I love to hear their thoughts on these topics. So just message me and let's chat. Hello at livingxo.com. Also, if you're on social media and if you love the podcast, please share this episode with others who might enjoy it. You can also share on WhatsApp or text message or email, however you like to communicate with others. And as always, you can find loads of resources on the website, livingxo.com, including a free workshop on emotional regulation at livingxo.com slash emotions. Thank you so much for being here. Take good care. Until next time.